Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Before I jump into the episode today, I want to share a little bit again about my podcast sponsor, Faithful Counseling. If you have been a regular podcast listener, you know that throughout our grief journey, our family has been greatly helped by Christian counseling. So because of that, it is something that I often recommend to others who are struggling, not even necessarily with grief, but just with the brokenness of this world. Depression, anxiety, addiction, relational struggles, parenting issues, stress at work, stress at home. I mean, the list of hard things that so many of us are dealing with is endless. The challenge can come with actually finding quality counseling. And that's why I'm so happy to point you to Faithful Counseling. It's such an easy way to just get started with therapy, to give it a try. You type in my link and you complete a quick survey answering some questions about yourself as well as what you are looking for or hoping for in a therapist. Then the Faithful Counseling team will pair you with a professional licensed therapist, usually in just a couple of days. Their unique online platform gives you the ability to connect with your counselor multiple times. Your interactions are not just limited to individual scheduled sessions. Instead, they offer a number of ways to connect. You can FaceTime or talk on the phone. You can do that once a week, every other week, once a month. It's up to you. And you can also take advantage of their text messaging option. The counselors really are easily accessible and willing to communicate as frequently as you need. I personally have a FaceTime call with my counselor once a week, but we text multiple times throughout that week. I text her if something stressful comes up and I just need some tools to get through it or even need some prayer. She texts me homework that I need to complete and she wants me to turn in. Um, the Faithful Counseling app is actually pretty cool. There's there's an option on there to do some online journaling that you can directly share with your therapist. So that's what I've been doing lately. And she is so quick to give me feedback and send me encouragement. She also has been sending me articles and worksheets through the app and all kinds of resources. So if you do sign up, I encourage you to take advantage of all that the app has to offer and connect with your counselor as often as you can. And don't forget, if for some reason you don't like the counselor they initially pair you with, just let them know they will quickly reassign you. I actually had to do that, and I'm so glad that I did because I am now paired with a therapist who is such a good match for me. Okay, I think I've shared enough, and as you can tell, I am not just promoting Faithful Counseling because they are my sponsor. I'm very grateful for that, but I truly do want you to give their services a try. The link is in my show notes. And you can also always just reach out to me to get it as well. But to find out more, you need to go online and go to faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. That last part, the slash fighting for joy, is that's the important part if you want a discount. Then you just complete the survey and you guys could get started with counseling this week. Okay, now today's episode, you guys, it's a special one. My daughter Justine is joining me. Seriously, I mean, it is so, so wonderful as a mom to have your kids not just support your work and your ministry, but agree to be a part of it. So listen in today as we talk about Justine's almost decade-long struggle with her health and the joy and the freedom that thankfully she is now experiencing. Here's our conversation. Hi, Justine. Well, hi, Mom. Thanks for doing this with me today. 
Of course. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm just excited to have you share. And I know that some of the things you've learned over the years of you have struggled with your health and fought for joy in the midst of it all just really will help and encourage my listeners. So I'm excited to have my daughter on. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope that too. I'm excited too. Yeah, well, you have been on the podcast before. We recorded mm -hmm. an episode as a family um, two years ago now, and that was episode number 23, for those of you who may not have listened to that one yet. But your life looks a little different now than it did then, so I thought we would just start off by having you share a little bit about yourself and the season of life that you are in right now. Yeah, that seems like so long ago when <laughs> we recorded that podcast, I mean. I think Will and I were just dating at that point. I think but so too. Anyway, so yes, I'm married now. We, William and I got married almost a year ago. The end of June will be an entire year here in Chattanooga is where we got married. And now we live here. We recently bought a house about a month ago right outside of Chattanooga, which is so much fun just to place our roots and feel like it's mm -hmm. just us. Out here writing our own story and uh, such a gift. Yeah. Um, and this past year, I was a third grade teacher right down the road from our house, actually, um, here in Chattanooga. And I am also the nursery coordinator at our church. I started that in January. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I guess that I love like some things that I love. Um, I love moving my body by running or walking or going bike rides, swimming, um, or playing sports with Will is so much fun, mm -hmm. like throwing around a baseball or playing tennis. We love doing sports or being outside together. Um, I also love getting together with friends over coffee or going for walks, having them over for dinner or games. I mean, I have a lot of things I love, but the list can go <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And we are so thankful that Will is in our family and he is just such a perfect fit for all of us. And we love him so much. And just I too am thrilled about the life that you are building in Chattanooga and you are just blessed with amazing friends and such a special church family and just thankful to the Lord for where he has brought you and where you're at in your life and your marriage and your faith and, and also in the topic for our conversation today. Um, and where you're at in your health journey, finally pain-free and, and thriving mm -hmm. more than you have for years. And, you know, as your mom, it's just been one of the greatest burdens of my life to have to watch you struggle with the kind of constant and debilitating pain that you have had to experience. Mm -hmm. um, but my sadness in watching you and walking with you doesn't compare to what you had to endure. So kind of just to get started, let's just go back to the time in your life when you first began to feel like something was wrong. Maybe you can just share a little bit about the beginning of this part of your health journey and what it looked like to get to the place where you are now. Yeah, um, I guess it started maybe eight or nine years ago at this point. Um, and I first knew something was wrong when every time I ate something, my stomach hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would wake up feeling okay, get it ready for school, um, had an empty stomach, you know, and then as soon as I had breakfast, then I slowed down a little bit. But then by the time I had lunch, um, I was 
always in so much pain. And I remember so many times um, my freshman year of high school where I would be sitting in band class or in history class right after lunch thinking, I don't know how I can go on the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And I'm a person that I love routine and I love doing the exact same thing every day. Mm -hmm. And so in high school, every day for lunch, I would have half a sandwich with regular bread and some chips and I don't know, a cookie. Um, Mm -hmm. But I remember so vividly having half a sandwich every day for lunch. Mm -hmm. And then it was after that, that I was just always sick. And then I would go to my sports practices and just kind of muscle through it. Um, But then we ended up seeing a doctor and the doctor traced it back to gluten and dairy, but he was so indifferent. He, He basically just said, you know, maybe you should just stop eating gluten or dairy and see if you feel better. Hmm. And back then, eight or nine years ago, I had no idea what gluten was. Mm-hmm. People weren't going gluten free. People weren't Mm-mm. supplementing it with things or saying, hey, there's a gluten free option. Let's go to a, a restaurant with a gluten free menu. I mean, right. Right. I was like, what's gluten? I mean, I know what dairy is, obviously no ice cream and milk, but mm-hmm. what? what's mm-hmm. gluten? Yeah. And so, yeah, doing, I mean, Looking back, that was such bad advice to cut both of those things out at the same time because mm-hmm. how are we supposed to know which one it was? Right, right. Um, but I remember at the start researching like, okay, what should I not eat or what can I eat? And okay, apparently we need a lot of rice and a lot of corn supplements or um, instead of flour tortillas, go you know, corn tortillas. Um, and so we tried doing that and I did feel better. I mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't have as bad of stomach aches and could go days without pain. Um, but there was still just the underlying, you know, uncomfortableness that I always had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I think I helped, like hit it well mm-hmm. at school. And I, mean, I know that after a year or two of eating gluten and dairy free, being at school, I was so used to the pain that I would just kind of go on with life knowing that that's just how my body was always going to be. And mm-hmm. so at school, I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, this is my pain that I'm normally going to have. So I'm going to interact with my friends, go to sports practices, band, choir, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I got home that I feel like I felt most of the things and felt all the insecurity and felt the loneliness and the anger and the frustration and really just always kind of had home as that place that I let it all out, which is, I mean, we had such a great home and environment where I do feel like I felt safe doing that Mm -hmm. um, and heard doing that and seen doing that. But I mean, it it was hard. I mean, I'm sure you (laughs) remember those many, many (laughs) days. um, Yeah. But yeah. And so I guess jumping to college, um, I felt okay freshman year. I mean, you're just kind of figuring out the environment by, um, trying to fit in, make friends, figure out the school, figure out the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I was kind of just numb to everything freshman year because there was so many new things mm-hmm. away from home for the first time. Um, but I, I mean, freshman year, I did go to the ER a couple times because of my stomach mm-hmm. and the pain that I was in. Mm-hmm. And 
event sophomore year, I would probably say was my worst year of college, just with how bad I felt, mm-hmm. how I couldn't really do my everyday things that gave me life and joy. I was just felt robbed and depleted of everything, friends, food, mm-hmm. health, everything. Mm-hmm. Like so many lonely nights in our dorm room with me and my sweet roommate. Mm-hmm. where I would just be crying or yelling or going to bed at 7 p.m. or just isolating myself. And she would walk in and sit on my bed and talk to me and try to be a good friend. She was the best friend mm-hmm. of just always checking in and not making me feel like a burden or feeling like I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, but that was the hardest year. So hard. Um, because I also didn't let people in besides her Mm -hmm. and it wasn't letting people know the extent yeah and I think that's what made junior year better was because I started seeing counseling for the pain that I was in and the different things that I started to think and the different things I started to feel because being isolated with what I couldn't eat and what I couldn't do and the way I felt I just knew that seeing counseling with somebody who I could trust and get tools and a suitcase full of things Mm -hmm. to just attack this with was so encouraging. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like junior year was by far the best. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. even with the pain, I mean, I wasn't changing anything in my diet at that point. Um, but like adding that counseling piece was huge my junior year. Um, And then I guess jumping towards my diagnosis, um, it was the summer before my senior year when I was nannying, and I had a really bad season um, where I took so many steps back, and I felt like I was kind of back in sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And other things were happening to my body that I was just like, this is not normal. I don't know mm-hmm. why I just can't get over this. Like I've been gluten-free, dairy-free for years. Why do I still have pain? And now why is everything bloody? And why is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm bloating all the time or like why, like I had so many other weird, random side effects happening. So we ended up going to a doctor here Um and they took me to Erlanger, which is like a local hospital. And I had a procedure and some tests done. Um, and that took maybe like a month. I remember doing mm-hmm. the procedure, lots of different blood work um, before they figured out that it was celiac disease. Mm-hmm. And I was so like, I remember the phone call that I received because I missed the phone call. I was sitting in my English class. <laughs> And I was like, oh, random numbers calling, I'm not going to answer it. And then a voicemail came, and I was like, oh, okay, good. This must be an actual person who left a voicemail. And so I listened to it after class, um, and then all they said on the voicemail was, um, hey, if you could give me a call back to let me know um, when to schedule your surgery for your recent diagnosis. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I remember calling you and being mm-hmm. in tears, but walking to my next class, and I can't call him back right now. Mm-hmm. at class and I know what to do it's so scary and um and so then I went down to the doctor again and she kind of went over my results and she looked me in the eyes and said you know I've actually never had a patient come back with a positive result 
and celiac disease. So I don't really know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, so classic. Nobody knows. Right, I mean, after right. all these doctor visits and finally get an answer, but then feel like I don't really still have an answer. Right, right. Um, and so I, I remember like sitting in her office chair and not really hearing what she's saying. And she was like Googling support groups with celiac disease and Chattanooga and Mm-hmm. As he was popping up, I asked, like, oh, what kind of toothpaste should I use? Or what kind of body wash? Or where can I eat? Or what shouldn't I eat? Or, I mean, obviously, I'd been eating gluten-free, but I knew that this was going to be a different mm-hmm. level, knowing cross-contamination and stuff yeah. entering in through other products. So, yeah, um, yeah, I guess that's a long overshot. I can keep going and going. No, I mean, that's, it is, it's a a small, like, it's just a summary for sure of the years and years of this whole process and just how many ups and downs there were. I mean, it was getting our hopes up and feeling like this next Mm -hmm. doctor or this next specialist would be able to help you. And I just, I remember a number of times where we were so excited about something and then we just, the whole day ended in tears of just like, ugh, Mm -hmm. people just are not helping and they don't know how to help Justine. You just felt, I felt like they just didn't know what to do to to help you. And so, yes, when we found Dr. Carpenter, I mean, it was like Mm -hmm. the most hope that we felt. And we both just said that, that like, I think this is really the, I think we're really going to get help. I think we're really going to get answers. And it was just such a blessing to meet with her and to Mm -hmm. leave, you know, with real hope and just feeling like you were truly heard, you were truly understood. Um, And just for context, Dr. Carpenter is, she practices functional medicine, which is basically taking a holistic kind of integrated approach to health and healing and focuses on the whole be whole being and not just, you know, the pain and the symptoms, but the root causes. And, you know, back to what you were saying with counseling, I mean, you know, we, we are holistic beings. And so when you're in pain physically, it will affect your emotions and your mental health and your relationships and, you know, physical pain just affects our mind and, Um, so yeah, I think all Mm -hmm. of these things, all of these pieces to the puzzle were just kind of finally coming together and, um, getting the diagnosis as hard as it was getting that diagnosis, um, kind of Mm -hmm. pairing that with a functional medicine doctor kind of got you to the place then where we could have a plan and we could um, start Mm -hmm. to feel like, okay, there is hope. There is a way now to address this this pain and not have to live this way for the rest of your life um and you know she and and she like taps me on the leg and was like we're gonna do this you're gonna be fine you're not weird your symptoms are not outrageous i've heard these things before Mm -hmm. and i know you're gonna be fine and we're gonna figure it out together and we're gonna look at your whole body and we're gonna look at other food sensitivities and other things that may trigger you and look at your levels and iron. And, mm-hmm. and I was, yeah, the first time when I was like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm not going to be in pain anymore. <laughs> right. Such a contrast from the many people who would look at you and be like, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Huh? 
you know, right. and just feeling Every like, other what? Person. Like, you're not eating what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I do hate that you had to endure years of this. Um, and again, it's just such a helpless feeling as a mom. I mean, I, I committed to not giving up. I mean, I would always tell you that, like, we'll keep trying. We'll try and try and try again until we get you some answers and some relief. And, you know, I was also just committed to always being there for you, to always make time to listen, to listen to every little detail of everything that was going on with your body and just to make sure that you knew that I was never tired of hearing about it and that I wanted to be your person, you know, through this. And I wanted to keep telling you, like, I believe you. I believe that this Mm -hmm. pain, you're not making this up and um, to just never diminish your pain or discount or minimize your feelings and, and the sadness, you know, that accompanied your physical Mm -hmm. pain. Um, And so, yes, so when we paired, you and I's determination to just keep going until we had um, mm-hmm. some answers and a plan. You know, we paired that with meeting Dr. Carpenter and getting your diagnosis and having her look at you as a whole being and being so encouraging and hopeful that there was um, going to be a beautiful, thriving life um, beyond your celiac mm-hmm. diagnosis was um, the turning point for sure. I agree. Yeah. So um, for people who have never heard of celiac disease, um, you know, I don't know if you, do you know how many people are affected with celiac disease? I think it's a very small number, isn't it? It's so small. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have sensitivities um, and allergies. Yeah. But I mean, not the percentage of people that have celiac disease is yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. I think I read one time that it's like less than 1% of the people in the United States. I mean, just very, very mm-hmm. small amount. And like you said, there are a, a growing number of people with gluten sensitivities, but an actual celiac diagnosis is a lot less common. So, um, you know, for people who aren't very familiar with it, can you just explain a little bit about what celiac disease is? Yeah, so basically... Somebody who has celiac disease doesn't have a proper enzyme to break down gluten, the gluten protein. Mm -hmm. And so then when gluten enters your system, your body is so confused on what this protein is because they don't have the right thing to then break it down and attack it and digest it. And so instead, then the body turns on itself and starts attacking all the healthy parts of your body when in reality it should just be working to break down the food that you just ate instead of destroy the inside. So we have these little healthy hairs on our stomach lining. They're called sila. And basically when gluten comes through, that's what the body is attacking instead of the gluten, um, Mm -hmm. these little healthy hairs. And so instead of like a plush, uh, somebody told me once your stomach in a healthy state looks like a plush carpet, super soft, full of long, healthy hairs. And then when gluten comes through, it looks like a ragged, rough, raw um, rug without anything soft on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, you have to then not have gluten in your body for months, usually about like a month or two. <laughs> Yeah. to reheal all of your stomach lining to then not have pain. So the reason why I had pain was so much was because I never allowed my body the space to fully heal without putting little bits of gluten in here and there from cross-contamination or mm-hmm. shared fryer or my toothpaste. Like I had to have extended amount of time 
to get those healthy hairs back up. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's a little bit of what celiac disease does. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've mentioned the cross-contamination, but it is, it's, it goes beyond just not eating gluten. It's um, making sure that there is no cross-contamination and also just um, kind of looking at all products, looking at them under a microscope kind of, because I mean, it's surprising everything that has gluten in it. People would never guess that toothpaste and lotion and right. hair products and hand soap and all of the different Mustard things. Mustard and ketchup. Yes, and- yes, yes. And it's not marked. I mean, no, you know, no, it's not exactly. on there. So, um, and even in restaurants, we've learned that too, that even though it says it's gluten-free, it just means that it has, you know, a small enough amount of gluten in it to be qualified for that legally, right? Right, right. <laughs> so necessary. yeah, even yeah. like a package at the store that says gluten-free graham crackers, we'll still have gluten in the package. Mm-hmm. It just can't have more than 3%. Yeah. Um, then, it, then you can't have gluten free on it, but it's a really good mar- marketing strategy to fool people. Um, or it'll have shared equipment. So they'll make like regular graham crackers at the factory. And then immediately after put mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. gluten free graham crackers through the machine. But I mean, they don't clean the machine in between. So you have all this. Yeah. Yeah. Gluten stuff in your gluten-free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that the symptoms that you experienced are pretty typical and universal or how, I mean, how would somebody know that they could potentially have celiac disease or what's the process if somebody is saying that they're having all of these weird symptoms too? I mean, would you tell them to just go to their general doctor or would you recommend that they find a GI specialist or a functional medicine doctor like Dr. Carpenter or what, what would be your piece of advice if you, if somebody's saying, Oh man, I have some of these weird symptoms too. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think my symptoms were maybe a little bit different towards the end because Dr. Carpenter was the one that also told me or informed me, I guess that um, corn and rice and different grains have the same effect on my body as gluten. Mm-hmm. And so every time I would eat rice or corn, which I, you know, is like a huge replacement in a gluten-free diet, mm-hmm. my body thought that those were the gluten protein mm-hmm. um, because they look so similar. I mean, yeah. a corn protein looks so similar than a gluten one. And so my body was so confused and in fight and mode the entire time and so it's like oh more gluten keep attacking um no and so that that's a little bit different for me a lot of people don't have a grain problem on top of Mm gluten-free and so yeah i think at first i would tell them to go just get a gluten test that's just a blood sample that Mm -hmm. you can go to the doctor and if you think that's what it is then it it will say yes or no right away Mm -hmm. um and you don't have to go through taking out of your diet because one bad thing about that test is if you have it out of your diet already and you've been eating gluten-free for six or so months they're gonna have you eat bread and gluten for about a week Mm -hmm. to get it back in your system to see if you have the disease yeah yeah, (laughs) so if you have any concerns before changing your diet go get the test Mm-hmm. Um, and then you don't have to mess up and wait and take things out and wonder. And that's just right yeah. away. Yeah. And then if true. it comes back negative, then go see a functional med- medicine doctor mm-hmm. and there's something else. And yeah, she'll, like, that doctor will be able to see you for more than just the isolated pain in your stomach, but maybe it's 
like your B12 that's super low that you need, or I don't know. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that, that would be the next step I think after taking it. And if it does come back positive, still go see the functional medicine doctor because you won't get some kind of mask to go over your pain, but instead supplements to help balance everything and really good eating plans. And that's good. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. So as you've, you know, learned more about celiac disease and work to kind of figure out what your life is going to look like with this, um, I know there have been ways that this diagnosis has robbed you of joy. I mean, I don't know how it could not. It just, it truly sets you apart in challenging ways. And I think people are still not educated enough about it to truly understand how life-changing Um, a diagnosis like this is for somebody. So with my podcast being called Fighting for Joy, I would love to hear where you have had to fight for joy the most in this. Yeah, I would say 90% of the hardest moments are when I have to go to a place and know that I will stand out or be doing something different. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, time and time again, where I have to fight the most for joy in that situation. One, just getting myself to go to a party, Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm going to be the only one not eating, the only one not having a beer or some kind of like Mm -hmm. drink with wheat in it. Um, Mm -hmm. or the only one not having the appetizer or not dessert. And I hate that. I hate the attention on myself. I just would so much rather blend in and grab the chips and salsa like everybody else or dig into the brownie at the end of the like dinner. Um, and so, yeah, I have to fight for joy all the time to get myself to go there and know that it's okay. It's okay to pull out my dinner um, in my cooler while everybody else is ordering off of a menu. Or it's okay to say, you know what? I'm just going to go for some decaf coffee for dessert today instead mm-hmm. of the brownie. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pack a chocolate bar in my purse so that when everybody else is eating dessert, I will have a treat too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can participate or maybe it's, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this thing and I'm going to tell one person that I feel insecure and that I hate the attention I'm about to get when I order because I'm going to have to say, can you make it from scratch or what's in this? Or can mm-hmm. you tell me exactly? Yeah how you prepare this food. And that's going to be humiliating to me having everybody listen and watch me order. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest area that I'm constantly still fighting for joy. Because it's not, I mean, I'm figuring out the pain. I'm figuring out um, what to eat, what not to eat, but I'm still, still learning how to conquer that fear piece of standing out. Yeah. Yeah. And that does, I mean, that resonates with me so much because, you know, that's not my favorite either. I don't like (laughs) to stand out and to be different. And, um, and so I can totally see why that would steal your joy and, um, you know, that you would need to fight that. And I know, you know, this is all still really pretty new for you and for Will and for us and, you know, the friends Mm -hmm. you'd spend time with in Chattanooga. And I know you will continue to learn and grow and figure out 
more tools to implement, you know, in the coming years. And you shared a few, a few simple ways of um, fighting for fighting, you know, that standing out and feeling different and the fear and all of that. But are there a couple other things that you do sometimes to kind of battle that and to fight for joy? What are, what are a couple other tools that you use when you feel like that? Is it more of just like you said, the self-talk and having a plan or what are, what would you say are the top few ways? Yeah, I think, um, one of the top ways is just to write and to journal and to process my thoughts Mm -hmm. um, and emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes it literally is just early in the morning with my coffee, writing my, writing in my journal. And other times it's going for a walk with a friend and letting people in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just, I know that I can't do this alone and people still want to do life with me and they care and they don't think it's an inconvenience at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I really started to share more of my thoughts and my journey um, through my writing, which is actually why I started my blog, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I, I felt like people were wanting to hear and so curious and I was so eager to share and Mm -hmm. eager to let people in and continue to let people in on a different platform and and so I just woke up one day and was like well maybe I'll just start a blog and share all my journals and share all my yeah my thoughts and hopefully know that other people don't have to do this alone and Mm -hmm. I think when I was first diagnosed I really just wanted somebody to give me a list of things to go to the store to get or products to check or their favorite chip brand or their favorite mm-hmm. way to cook this or that. And I just didn't have that. I would turn it and look every single corner. Do you know somebody who's here? Do you know somebody who's here? I'm just going to find anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I would really wanted to not only share my journey and my story and how to read labels and how to go grocery shopping and how to conquer fear, but also just share actual products on the blog and it's been such a good and beautiful and redemptive thing that I've been starting to do to really fight for joy. For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, it's just really a universal way uh, to fight for joy. And that's just, um, like you said, letting people in, letting people um, in, into your journey and allow them to walk with you, but also helping others turning, you know, Mm -hmm. your struggle or what you're going through into a way to help others. And you are doing both of those things through, through your blog. And, you know, I think when we, when we turn outward, when we turn towards others and their hurts and their struggles and begin focusing on how we can help them versus just focusing Mm -hmm. so much inward, um, with our eyes on ourselves and how stinking hard things can be for us. Um, I know that's certainly been true for me with this podcast and the greater fighting for joy ministry that I have been trying to pour my life into these past few years. Um, you know, I've said it before, but it, it can feel pretty counterintuitive to think about serving and helping others when we are in a dark, sad, yucky place ourselves, but Mm -hmm. it really does help us fight for joy in pretty powerful ways. And so all this being said, I do remember um, when you called me to first share the idea of writing a blog and possibly starting a celiac based business or ministry. And and then you just said, mom, remember when you decided to turn the worst thing, our family Mm -hmm. losing Jackson into something that could help others. And I think I want to do that too with my celiac diagnosis. And Oh, it's gonna make me cry. But just, you know, as your mom, it's, 
just it's I got overwhelmed with emotion obviously I still do but just um you know knowing that a lot of people have been helped and encouraged through this podcast and through my work but to know that my daughter you know was somehow inspired and learned from me doing this and now wanted to do that herself um uh, just means the world and I just you know publicly want to just say how proud I am of you for finding some purpose in your pain and for working so hard to be intentional with this heavy burden in your life and you know just Mm -hmm. speaking from experience I think your joy will abound as you just keep going with celebrating celiac and work to help and encourage and inspire and support other other people through through this so okay let's talk about celebrating celiac you already mentioned it you said Mm -hmm. it's a blog and some of the things I love the name that you chose so let's just start by having you share a little bit about how you chose that name um, and what it means to you yeah I think that there is such a negative connotation with celiac disease because it immediately eliminates things and immediately labels you as somebody who was restricted in some way and Mm -hmm. the more I lived with this and especially learning from Dr. Carpenter and getting to a really good healthy place I just found so much freedom and so much joy in the midst of this disease where I couldn't help but celebrate and I was making cookies and making brownies and I was, you know, rolling out pizza dough and all the things and having so much fun doing it, mm-hmm. knowing that I wasn't missing out at all. All the things that I took out of my diet for years, I now had again. And it tasted, if not better than the other things that I was mm-hmm. eating before, like mm-hmm. Tips of Um, And so, yeah, I think I wanted to just celebrate celiac disease with everybody, other people that have celiac, other people that are standing out in a different way or eating gluten-free for a different reason. Um, But to know that there's so much freedom amidst this disease and I just, I want to celebrate it Mm -hmm. and keep celebrating it um, by what we can eat or what we can cook or what we can go to the grocery store and do. I mean, it's still made for us. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. And it is so special to to read your blogs. You are just such a beautiful, thoughtful, authentic writer. And I know I'm biased as your mom, but um, a lot of other people um, have been telling me that they agree with me. I just can't tell you how many people have reached out to me to say that they are so impressed by your um, beautiful writing. And You've been getting pretty vulnerable too. How has that been for you? You know, sharing some of your hardest moments, your saddest days and being honest about your loneliness and and your pain. I mean, has it been scary? Has it been freeing? Is it all the things mixed up together? How has that been going for you? Oh, super freeing. I don't Mm -hmm. think I write or post and really feel nervous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe I should because I I am, I mean, feeling very vulnerable, but um I sit down to write and I just get so excited to share this with somebody who may be experiencing the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and that's all I can think about is maybe somebody else had the same same experience and I want them to feel seen and heard and like there's light at the end of the tunnel yeah and so I I can't help but want to share this the scary vulnerable stories Mm -hmm. and I always feel so much hope and so much 
excitement after I post them and I want to let my Instagram followers know and my husband know and all my Mm -hmm. friends know Mm -hmm. and yeah there there's just so much to celebrate even within those hard blog posts I love it well I wholeheartedly encourage you to keep going and as I've tried to teach you, you know, vulnerability produces vulnerability. And so somebody needs to go first. And by you going first and being vulnerable and opening up in the way that you have, it will encourage others to do the same. It will give them hope. Um, you know, when we share, we can better feel the support of others. And it's hard for people to know how to be supportive or how to be a good friend um, if they haven't been let in. And we just truly can't be known. And and then therefore mm-hmm. truly loved if we aren't open and share our struggles. So keep going. I love it. Um, you mentioned social media and, you know, so at this point, what does celebrating celiac all entail? You have social media, you said you're doing baking and um, what would you say are a, the top handful of things that you're doing with celebrating celiac right now? Yeah, I think the top thing is probably baking, mm-hmm. <laughs> surprisingly. I thought mm-hmm. I'd be writing more, but I'm definitely baking more um, and baking for Bible studies or just their weekly muffins or um, I did a wedding with some cupcakes. And so it's just, it is kind of random, um, but that is probably the biggest thing that Celebrating Celiac is doing right now is just baking, which mm-hmm. is so much fun because it's so special to know that somebody else gets to have this who feels like they can't go to a party and enjoy this display of desserts, but to know that there's going to be an option there for everybody. So yeah. exciting. So um, exciting. And yeah, obviously the blog and um, what I write there, I have a list of my favorite products on there of my favorite body wash or my favorite flowers to use are kitchen machines. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, those are a couple things. Good. Well, another area of discussion that I kind of wanted to cover with you today too, um, gets back to the fact that we are holistic beings, um, and physical pain or health struggle or a medical diagnosis, you know, it will impact us in other areas and, um, our physical body and what's going on with that affects us mentally, relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. And because of this, you know, often the hard things in life can draw us closer to the Lord. And we know it's not a guarantee. In fact, you and I both could mention people that we have seen um, who have let bitterness creep in when hard things in life happen. Um, You know, I know in our grief as our family processed Jackson's death and continues to struggle at times with how hard and broken things have been as a result of his accident. Um, there continues to be times when we just have to work hard to keep our hearts soft and just beg the Lord to give us more faith and keep trusting in him and for him to just be personal and, and give us signs that he is with us and for us and for him to just keep reminding us that he will fulfill his, his promises. He will draw near to us as we move toward him. And so for you, you know, I'm grateful to see the ways that your health struggles have also deepened your faith and grown your trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I see just such a sweet walk with God that you have and a maturity in your faith that I know has developed through pain, through struggle. Um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about this, just some things that you have learned or how God has grown you in your faith through this whole difficult journey? Yeah, I think that I've learned that 
Christ has to be enough and it can't be the approval of others. It can't be what I can have or can't have to eat or the way I feel this day or that day. But to know that um, he has an answer to everything and a reason for everything and nothing surprises him and nothing even changes him. So Mm. I could have a really bad day and he will have an answer for that. And he will Mm. um, remind me that he stays constant and he never changes. Um, Yet he continually has to be enough for me. Mm. And I think that that's, but I keep coming back to almost every day mm-hmm. when I get nervous to go to an event or insecure about pulling out my lunch or um, wishing that I could order dessert at a restaurant. But to know, you know, like the Lord is, he has, he knows my name and he knows that I'm beautiful and he delights in me, even in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. And he's with me right now. And that's enough. It mm-hmm. is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I yeah. think, what I'm constantly learning. I mean, and even though he is enough, there are so many other ways to discover that and to see the beautiful sides of mm-hmm. knowing that um, through every season and every every hard day and good day, um, I get to experience that fullness. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's very encouraging. And I know my listeners are going to find that really encouraging too. And it's just a reminder that we need reminders. You know, we need to continue to speak truth to ourselves and fight, like you said, the fear or um, whatever we, you know, might be, whatever's circling around in our mind, fight it with truth and um, keep running to God's word and keep in prayer and um and trusting him and asking him to not waste this suffering to not waste these difficult circumstances but to use them as a way to to grow our faith grow our trust and um i love seeing that in you thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. um well let's go back to celiac disease again here i wanted um to just kind of ask you too so if somebody you know say somebody listening today was recently diagnosed with celiac disease, what advice would you give them as they begin their journey? So, you know, or just even more broadly, say there's Mm -hmm. somebody who has some aspect in their life, some diagnosis, some issue that's just kind of turned their world upside down or sets them apart socially or culturally. Um, In other words, you know, kind of what have you learned over this past year and a half that would have been helpful to know right at the start? Yeah, I think practically just check your labels and check mm-hmm. your products, mm-hmm. um, double check, triple check. Even if you know that I've had this brand of chips before, maybe they changed their ingredients this past week. So mm. still check the label. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, but also I think another big piece of advice, it's not so kind of practical is just still go to the things and go to the parties and enjoy your friends. It's, I mean, a long journey ahead. It's not an overnight change and you can't stop the rest of your life and Mm -hmm. there's still so many things that you can celebrate and go to and enjoy and be surrounded and so I would I would just encourage anybody who's figuring this out just still go to the thing and always pack a lunch with Mm -hmm. dessert obviously (laughs) I love I have a big sweet tooth Mm -hmm. but I'm just so big on we can still treat ourselves and there's nothing worse than feeling like 
oh, I just want to do this and I'm more sad because I can't have that. But to know, oh, I have a fun little treat waiting mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, another piece of advice is just not to compromise. And I think that's a big part of packing your lunch with dessert mm-hmm. is the second you think, well, okay, I'll just have one scoop of this, then it sets you back for months. Mm-hmm. And so to mm-hmm. always be prepared and, um, yeah, pack your lunch. Those are yeah. little, some little pieces of advice. No, that's good. That's good. And I think, you know, a good follow-up uh, would be just advice or encouragement for somebody who cares for or knows somebody struggling mm. in this way. I mean, I'm sure I have a lot of listeners who have zero food intolerances. They don't have any sensitivities or allergies. But even if they don't have celiac disease, maybe they know somebody who does, or maybe they have a friend, you know, who is allergic to something like peanuts or dairy, or even struggles with other autoimmune diseases like Graves' disease or Hashimoto's. Um, I think these types of health conditions are just, they're just not that familiar to most people. So how Mm -hmm. can someone be a, a supportive friend? Maybe you can share some things that people do or say that are helpful to you you might even want to share some things that are not helpful just to kind of give people insight but what advice would you have to to give to somebody who wants to love someone well through this yeah um I think not making them feel like cooking for them or going out with them is a big deal mm-hmm. <laughs> I the my closest friends are the friends that are like oh it's no big deal let's just go out to eat and we'll totally ask the chef or I know I already called ahead they can do this or mm-hmm. look at the menu there's gluten-free options and I'll help you order those friends are just so easy and make you want to go to the, go to the thing yeah. um yeah and so yeah I think also if somebody's cooking you a meal or you're going over to somebody's house being the friend that um asks too many questions Mm -hmm. like sends the backs of their chicken broth pictures of the ingredient list or says this is exactly what we're making here's a screenshot of the recipe i use can you Mm -hmm. have all this or Mm -hmm. what kind of alterations can i make or what kind of treat do you want me to to have for you for dessert we're gonna do cookies but can I get different kind of brand of cookies mm-hmm. one of my friends always does that before we get together um before she comes over for dinner she'll send me a text saying hey what's the brand of cookies I can bring again or mm-hmm. do you want ice cream I'm gonna go to the store I'll FaceTime you and we'll look at all the backs of the ingredients so that I can find one that you can have we can all have it together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah, and I, I mean, I think the like the thing you shouldn't do is to make it a big deal. Like, you can't have what? Like, you yeah. you're not eating gluten, and you, you know, you can't eat grains, and you're not gonna have ice cream, or mm-hmm. you know, why are you ordering like that? That's so weird. Or mm-hmm. oh, you're missing out. Like those kind of comments. Yeah. Are, ugh, so hard. So hard. So um, yeah, just being the friend that isn't isn't afraid to just do it with you and make it seem like no big deal and. Mm-hmm. They were already going to cook it that way or. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. And I think as your family, we've learned too that, I mean, the way that you eat is like you have said many times, like just as good, if not better. And so I think when we were first starting down this journey, I kind of thought I had to make two separate things. Like this is the mm-hmm. gluten-free um you know, dish and then this is the regular dish and then we would all be eating the regular one except for you. And now I feel like we've learned that when we're all together as a family, there are so many great things that we can all enjoy. 
And I think that Mm -hmm. that has been a fun thing to do together. And I'm super grateful too, for your supportive husband. I think, you know, learning to live Mm -hmm. with celiac disease would be a million times more difficult if Will didn't get it or didn't want to get it. He's, he's just so thoughtful. And like you said, goes out of his way to call ahead or to make sure you're taken care of. I just, as your mom, I just love it so, so much. And I know you have a supportive community of friends as well. And, and you guys, you know, living in Chattanooga, it is an area where there are a lot of wonderful options for dining out and a lot of grocery stores with good options. So I'm really thankful for all of that. Yeah. Oh, me too. And yes, my husband is so gracious and he loves everything that I make. I ever, so many people ask me, so do you cook something different for Will mm-hmm. or does he have regular, like, and it's, I always say, no, if I make something, he eats it too and he, he loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And so that's always, even when I have friends over, I cook everything how I could eat it. And then everybody's amazed that it's a dish full free from dairy and sugar and mm-hmm. gluten and grain and, um, yeah, you, I'm not missing out. And my friends or my sweet husband will be there. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that about celiac disease and about celebrating celiac and your journey and how you fight for joy in the midst of all of it. I I um, am thankful for your willingness to do to do that for me and for my listeners. And I know, like I said, that it will be super encouraging for um, for people. And I do hope that there's somebody that, um, you know, has celiac disease and can find your blog and, um, can connect with you. But before we wrap up and kind of talk a little bit about how people could connect with you and find you, um, sometimes I like to just, uh, throw a couple quick questions on at the end of these episodes. Um, so I'd love to hear your responses, uh, to just a few, Uh, questions here at the end the first one is just what is your favorite thing to make I mean I can think of so many we've been talking about it that Will loves all of these things and our family has learned to um, which things we like that you make that we want you to make more of Um, but um, you know what right now for you um, is your favorite thing to make oh great question Um, I I think my favorite thing right now is bread Um, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I make it the most, so it's probably my favorite reason out of default, favorite thing out of default. Mm-hmm. Um, but I make the communion bread for our church, mm-hmm. and so I'm constantly making white bread. Um, but then I also absolutely love pumpkin bread and banana bread and chocolate chip banana bread mm-hmm. and making it either in muffin form or in loaf form. I do that maybe two or three times a week. I love it. I love mm-hmm. making, I love the process, um, but I also just love the reward of it and having it with coffee or mm-hmm. giving it to a sweet group of women who meet or to a family for their weekly muffins or whatever. Like that, that is, muffins and breads are by far my favorite thing. Love it. Um, the next question, um, we've kind of touched on some of the bigger ways that you've had to fight for joy these past few years. And as I've said, you have done it beautifully, Justine, even though at times the persevering was hard and exhausting and it probably still will be sometimes. Um, but knowing that it, it's helpful to remember that smaller, more simple joys can really help us with our persevering. 
Um, so I'm curious, what are some of the smaller things right now in your life that are helping you fight for joy in more simple ways right now? Um, probably baking, mm-hmm. <laughs> baking for other people. Yeah, yeah. So filling for me when I can fill an afternoon doing that. Um, also just continuing to journal to move my body by going for a walk or a run, getting together with friends, um, and just being more honest on the hard days and not waiting for the perfect time to tell somebody that's a hard day. But even as soon as I walk into church and I find a friend and they're like, how was your week? And I'm like, well, not good. I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, not to be like, well, I was good and hide those emotions and let it come out in weird times and weird places later on. Yeah. But just to fight for joy in the everyday conversations and to be honest, um, not with everybody, but with um, that closer group who know you and know how to love you well. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I love that. Well, like I said, I'm sure after people listen to this episode, especially if they resonated with some of the things that you shared, they're going to want to connect with you and follow along with celebrating celiac. So how can people find you? How can people reach out to you? Yeah, I would just say go to my blog. It's celebratingceliac.org. And on there, you can find my email if you want to send me a message. There's an option to place an order on there. All my blog posts are on there. My Instagram handle is on there. So definitely the hub and the place place to go. Yeah, that's great. It is. You've done a great job. It's just beautifully laid out um, on the website. And then I love some of the things you're starting to do on social media too. And that's just really fun to see what you're doing um, to share more about celebrating celiac. So Well, this has been really special for me, Justine. Um, I'm just so proud of you. And it's just very meaningful to have my daughter on as as a guest. Um, But you're also one of my best friends. And it's just a privilege to walk alongside of you as you have relentlessly fought for joy. You have inspired me and you teach me and you love me well as your mom and as your friend. And um, I'm just thankful for all that you shared today. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.